This episode of Radio Techers is brought to you in part by Trip Surfer Vacations. Travel is opening up again, and we know you're ready to go. Trip Surfer Vacations has great all-inclusive packages for your next beach vacation and all the info you need to know about your next trip. So whether you're headed to the Cancun, Cozumel, Cabo, or the Caribbean, Trip Surfer Vacations has you guys covered. We even have partnerships for European adventures as well. So we know you're ready to go. Visit TripSurferVacations.com and let them know that Radio Techers sent you. Y'all have fun out there. But you don't know why I'm here. Hey! Hey! Oh, it's okay! Alright! It's Sting! Okay! And it's, it's Sting! This is where the big boys play, huh? Look at the adjective. Play. CW Monday Nitro, where the big boys play every Monday night at 8 on TNT. Hello and welcome to Nitro Nights, a step-by-step look at the wonderful, crazy, insane, often glorious, often abysmal uh, company that was WCW from the very first episode of Monday Nitro, running all the way through every Clash of Champions, every pay per view, every Thursday Night Thunder, until the very sad, dismal, pathetic, dying end of the company in 2001. We will see some glorious best of Bischoff, some absolutely terrible ropey Russo. We will see some heroic and villainous Hogan. We will see the NWO form and become ridiculous. We will see the Dungeon of Doom. Oh dear God. We will see so many glorious and wonderful, brilliant moments, but also because it's WCW, we will see some absolute shocking, embarrassing, cringeworthy segments as well. Hopefully everyone will join us for this long-term project week by week by week. And speaking of joining us, that obviously means that there's more than me. So speaking of joining me, I guess, on this weekly step through a incredibly crazy wrestling company is the wonderful, the glorious, the always joyful to talk to Scottish juggalo himself. Danny, how are we doing, my friend? Hello, how are you doing? Uh, well, I'll tell you what, mate. I'll be honest with you. I've, I've got, I think I've got a bit of a cold coming. I don't know if anyone can hear, but my voice sounds a little bit croaky today. And it feels like I've been to a, a concert the night before and done a lot of singing along. Or I've been out on the piss and done the karaoke all night. 
but I've done neither of these things. So I think it's quite unfair that I've got a sore throat and not had the fun the night before to warrant it, mate, to be fair. <laughs> yeah. How are you? All right. Yeah, really well. Thank you very much. It's just freezing cold, isn't it? In the, yes. Yeah. In this, in this cafe location, I am. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's right. It's not very much, it's not much warmer in Gloucester, my friend. It's not much warmer yeah. in Gloucester. Yeah. Right then. I mean, well, very quickly before we get into our, our first sort of look back i suppose touch upon the basic format of the show i'm a massive wcw fan as numerous people who have heard me on other podcasts will know there are sections of wcw's history that i don't remember or i've not watched properly i mean there's great sections of it i've not watched in order however i think i've seen 99 of what the company had to offer especially during the period that we're going to look at which is effectively the monday night war era now scottish danny here has seen, by his own admission, a couple of the big moments, and not much else, Danny, is it? No, absolutely not. Anything that wasn't on a WWE DVD in the 2000s, I haven't seen. <laughs> so this is why we ended up after, effectively after recording an episode of SJP a little while ago, I've had the idea of doing a sort of WCW uh, look back or retrospective or however you want to word it for a long, long time. Now, the format, I had a few ideas banging around in my head. It kind of, the, the idea came and went and other podcasts would start up covering WCW, which kind of put me off a little bit because I enjoyed listening to them and thought maybe I can't do anything as well as that or whatever it may well be. Then I spoke with Danny uh, on an episode of SJP. It went really, really well. I had other people message me privately and say they really enjoyed Danny and I talking wrestling together. It was a good balance. It was we had good chemistry apparently, which was lovely to hear. And then Danny and I sort of spoke a bit more about WCW, and he mentioned he hadn't seen as much. So the idea that I've had banging around in my head for oh good God knows months and months and months kind of snowballed into what we're starting today. So I, I just reached out Danny, didn't I, and said, "Do you fancy watching some absolute nonsense with me for the next gobbo's how many weeks?" Yep, I'm really looking forward to getting into it. Yeah, yeah, and me, and me. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. There's going to be some moments, as I said, that I'd have seen before. Some moments I think I'm going to be surprised by. But ultimately, I'm really looking forward to your reactions to this company taking off and, and, and just being the best thing in wrestling and then shooting itself in the foot and disappearing <laughs> all in lightning quick time. So, yeah. I, mean, it, I think, um, oh, sorry, I was going to say the thing, the biggest thing I'm looking forward to is, um, not having WWE's take on uh, WCW because they would have you believe that WCW was all bad. And uh, I mean, they even had a YouTube show uh, poking fun at WCW's worst moments. I'm actually looking forward to seeing the best as well as the worst. Mm. Yeah, I mean, there is so much good that WCW did, which we'll, you know, we'll touch upon as we go week by week, I guess. I mean, the, the whole fact that I suppose a good and a bad point in one the whole fact that Monday Night Raw is now live is down to Eric Bischoff and Monday Nitro. Mm. However, a big part of Nitro, uh, sorry, a big part of Raw also being three hours and negative, you know, Nitro went three hours first. So it's kind of that, you know, I'm not saying that's the only reason Raw did it. It's obviously the advertising money, but it's, you know, there, there's plenty there, good and bad with, with influences on the business. Yep, uh, totally. what, yeah, yeah, without a, doubt, without a doubt. What we're going to be doing is looking at the ratings tv wise because obviously the monday night war it was it was all about the tv ratings that was what they were basing who was winning and who was losing upon we're going to be looking at the shows bit by bit and then we're going to give our favorite moment of the show 
and our least favourite, I suppose, moment of each show at the end of the episode as we record. Now, these early episodes of Nitro are very quick on the WWE Network. They're only 45 minutes long. So our earlier episodes as we jaunt through WCW will probably be relatively quick ourselves. But then as we get into the pay-per-views and longer Nitros, I expect our episodes to extend as well. Okay, so here we go then. The very, very first Monday Nitro. This aired on September the 4th, 1995 from Minneapolis, Minnesota. Sorry, I put my teeth in. Uh, and the Mall of America. Uh, it got, it was unopposed. It ran unopposed on Monday night. There was no Raw this night. So a very clever bit of uh, planning by WCW there to, to put their first episode live on when Raw was off, hopefully trying to attract their viewers. It got a very respectable 2.5 rating. To put that into context, Raw in August averaged, in August 1995, sorry, averaged 3.4 and Raw had been established for a couple of years. And this week's Monday Night Raw, as we're recording, the 21st of January, 2022, averaged a 1.6. So <laughs> Vince McMahon right now would love a 2.5 that Nitro got, I'd imagine. <laughs> um, Danny, our first look then at the, to me, very symbolic, very, uh, I suppose, nostalgic intro to Monday Nitro with the streets and the fire and the music and so on. Have you seen this before? Is this your first time? Uh, and uh, if it is or not, what are your thoughts on that sort of intro package, I guess? It's the first time in a long time I've seen it. Um, you'd see it on YouTube and things like that. But yeah, it was. Uh, it got straight to the point, didn't it? It was just like action, action, action. Um, very very loud, uh, very colourful as well. So I think mm. it was... Uh, I'll give it top marks for that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I love this intro. It, it, it's it's all sort of like the silhouettes of the wrestlers or reflections, I guess, wrestling against the buildings and so on, and lots of fire and explosions, and it sort of straight away makes you go, makes you sort of just stare at it and think, okay, this looks great for, for me anyway. Yeah, totally. The music's good as well. Very, you know, again, it's just WCW to me. So <laughs> that's the only way I can explain it. <laughs> um, we are though in the Mall of America which, you know, is, is quite a unique setting, I suppose, for a wrestling show. Uh, what were your thoughts on this? Because you've got the escalators, you've got the shops everywhere. What did you think seeing a wrestling ring effectively in the middle of a shopping centre? <laughs> I, <thought this> <laughs> I thought this was brilliant because um, it's it's completely different. Eric Bischoff said it um, before. He said he couldn't be the same as WWF. He couldn't be better at this point. So he would be different. That was the third option. So doing this was something completely new. Um, I'm a big fan of those, uh, you know, those uh, backstage games like um, backyard wrestling and stuff. So anytime that okay. the wrestling's not in the ring, I actually prefer it more than that is in the ring, at least uh, on the short term. So this was really refreshing. Uh, what did you think? Um, well, I can remember the the image. There's quite a famous picture that pops up online a lot, whether it's in magazines or on uh, websites or whatever. And it's the ring, and there's a match going on. I can't even tell you who is in the ring. I think it might well be Sting and Flair, which we'll come to shortly. But you have the the escalators going up behind them and people watching the wrestling on the escalators. And it's just this striking image. And I, I, always, I always, when people talk about the Mall of America and they talk about the first Nitro, that's what I always think of, that image. But the very first match we get to, we have Jushin Thunder Liger versus Brian Pillman. 
and the, the hard cam is a bit lower than I remember. So we're literally looking down. If you look through the both sets of ropes, you're looking down the shopping center and there's just masses of people watching the wrestling and either side of them is just shops that you can't get into because people are just milling around watching the wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> there was one that was open, but we'll get to it after um, oh, yeah. involving yeah, Hulk well. Hogan. But that seemed to, uh, <laughs> it seemed to be a clear pathway for that, didn't it? Yes, there did. Um, we meet our commentary team for the first time, obviously, this being the first episode. We have Eric Bischoff, as you, as you would expect, the main guy in WCW at this stage. He is joined by the always fantastic Bobby the Brain Heenan and Steve Mongo McMichael, who is new, as they say, to the commentary booth for this episode of Raw. What did you think as the show went on of the three-man booth of Bischoff, Heenan? And I'm assuming you don't know much about Mongo as a commentator anyway. What were your thoughts on this mix? This was actually a refreshing uh, mix because you had uh, somebody brand new to the business like Mongo. You had Eric Bischoff, who was virtually an unknown then. And you had um, Bobby Heenan, who was the experienced. So he was kind of like dragging the two, the other two behind, uh, in front, I would say. Um, I enjoyed this. It was good energy. I've always been a big fan of the three-man booth. Um, yeah, what did you think? See, I'm, I'm kind of the other way. I've always grown up with a two-man booth. Or, or going back, you know, to ECW, I suppose. Literally, Joey Styles on his own was what I, <laughs> what I watched the old ECW tapes. When I used to get hold of some of those. So yep. a three-man booth, a lot of the time. I mean, I suppose nowadays because it's all it's done all the time, isn't it? So nowadays yeah, you, yeah. you see it, you see it as a three-man booth all the time. So I suppose somebody a bit younger than myself, su- such yeah. as you, it's kind of the norm. But for yeah, me, it really when is. it started happening, it really mm. felt overkill. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. But I mean, I. Mongo is a, a character anyway, the ex-NFL player. Yeah. Um, Bobby Heenan had a dig at him here, saying he was a big fan of McMichael's. Uh, he watched every game that he played for Denver. Now, Mongo never played for Denver. And it's just Bobby <laughs> Heenan being, he's just brilliant. He is. Heenan is, of course, fantastic. Bischoff, to me, I think, what did you think of Eric Bischoff as a play-by-play guy? Because we're used to the likes of Jim yeah. Ross, Vince McMahon and so on from the WWF side. What did I you think thought- of Bischoff? He was really good. Uh, he had high energy. I'll give him that. Mm. Um, I was I was even a fan of him in, when he did a short uh, TNA uh, commentating run on the explosion in uh, 2010. I think he's always been a good commentator, to be honest. Um, what did you think? I'll, I'll tell you what. Hold on. Rewind a little bit there. Eric Bischoff did some commentary in TNA. I wasn't aware of this. Oh, yeah. A couple of episodes of Explosion with uh, Jeremy Borash. Um, I'll have to send it to you. Yeah, he did. He did a whole show, I believe, um, where he played the wow. heel announcer, and he wasn't a, a heel authority figure at this point as well. So he wasn't doing his best, but he was still pretty decent on the uh, commentary. Ah, okay. So I'm a massive Bischoff fan. Again, being a big WCW fan, I suppose it goes without saying. But I'm a massive Bischoff fan. I loved his run in WWF when he came in as the general manager, and it was a big surprise because he was, you know, it's the first time he'd, he'd arrived back since WCW died. You had all the stuff with the wedding, where he, you know, Billy and Chuck's wedding, where he was the uh, just Bischoff, fantastic. And his podcast as well, 83 Weeks, I really yeah. enjoy as well. So anything Bischoff does, I do I do tend to enjoy. Here, the big note I've got is virtually word for word copying what you've just said. But he's got <laughs> he's got loads of energy and he's really yeah. enthusiastic and so on. And that that yeah. really comes across through through the speakers, I think. Yeah, it really does. I mean, uh, I was wondering why Tony Schiavone wasn't a part of this, but... Um, I think Eric was the right choice. 
yeah, yeah. I mean, Shivani does turn up very, very, very soon. So, but that's something else. Well, I, I got to keep. I got to stop myself from doing this because obviously we're watching this week by week, uh, and I, you'll say certain things, and I know I'm gonna, I'm gonna want to comment, and I might ruin it. And I don't want to ruin it. <laughs> <laughs> I want, I want your genuine reactions to things, or that you might not have seen before. So I got, I got to keep biting my tongue, my friend. I got to shut myself yeah. up. <laughs> Um, so then, Liger versus Pillman, the first yep. ever match on Monday Nitro in the middle of a bloody shopping centre with people walking around with their bags with their new jeans and new shoes and whatever in. <laughs> what did you think of Liger versus Pillman? This was the right match to start with, to be honest with you, for a broadcast. Um, this was very, very high energy. Um, Pillman did really good in this match. Um, I haven't seen too much of Brian Pillman or Joshin Lager, but yeah, it was a really good match. Uh, what did you think? I, I loved it. And I think you're bang on. It's it's spot on to start. Yep. I think when you start any wrestling show, having something high energy, fast, quick, that can get the crowd going, oh, wow, and all this sort of stuff is, is a good move. This mm. is not just starting a wrestling show. This is starting a live television program for the very first time. So I think it's, again, Danny, I, I echo what you're saying. It's yep. absolutely spot on the money because they're both incredibly colourful characters. The, the ring gear is colourful. You get fast, exciting action, um, moonsaults, head scissors, a flying surfboard. I mean, you've got to think at this time, the beginning of September in 1995, if you, if you were watching WWF television every week and then Raw wasn't on, and you had this advert saying, watch this other show whilst your show's not on. It, it, I mean, to put it into context, this time in WWF, you just finished uh, the, the pay-per-view show in your house three in late August, 95. So a couple of weeks difference. On that show, you'd have seen the Godwins, Diesel, Yokozuna, Mabel was in the main event. Mm. And then you turn over to this and you see this Japanese guy with his crazy mask and you see flying Brian Pillman and they're doing... Uh, drop kicks off the top rope, moonsaults, uh, all sorts of crazy, crazy stuff going on. I would straight away be thinking, what is this? As opposed to a big Rangfeller and gold dungarees in the main event, you know, in Mabel on In Your House. Does that make sense? It does, yeah. It's a completely different uh, presentation, isn't it? Just, just... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. My voice went all squeaky then. I don't know if you know if you, know, if you heard that. I, I tried to say, does that make sense? And I went, does that make sense? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my throat is getting a bit worse. I, again, I apologise to everyone listening. I don't know what's going on here. Hopefully I'll be okay by the by our next recording. Um, after the Liger Pillman opener, which is a great opener, it's just it just ticks all the boxes for that, for that role, I guess. We have a videoed Sting promo. Well, Sting doesn't really say anything of, of substance, but it's just great seeing him on the screen with his yep. face paint on and so on. And then we get Hulk Hogan. Uh, Danny, talk <laughs> us through this. H Hogan's, as always, Hogan is selling something, isn't he? Yes, he is. And uh, it was uh, it was something, wasn't it? I mean, Pastamania. What can you? What more can be said? I mean, this did not last long. Um there was loads of exciting fans that were didn't look excited to eat the food. They looked more excited to actually be on camera. Um, I would say the happiest person in all of this was Eric Bischoff, who didn't have he could not remove the smile off of his face <laughs> throughout the entire um, segment. But yeah, it was uh, just Hulk Hogan just uh, just rallying up the crowd and saying he's going to defeat um, Big Brother later on in the main event. And yeah, it was pretty good. Yeah, Pastamania. It was, it was part of the deal with the Mall of America. Mm. Hogan wanted a restaurant to run. 
And there's also all sorts of, I'll have to go into it more and I will do in a future episode. Mm. There's lots of lawsuits that come from this because oh. Hogan, there's rumors that Hogan was sleeping with the woman who set up Pasta Mania. Wow. Or was the manager of Hustle, or, or something along those? Again, I, I've, I've I've got notes on it somewhere because I covered yeah. it for another podcast. I think it might be wow. a Bang Bang podcast when I was on there mm. talking about a WCW show, but I'm yeah. not 100 percent sure, so I apologise <laughs> if I'm wrong. But Man. I'll look into that for a future episode. <laughs> that sounds interesting. It sounds like yeah. Adam Ring. <laughs> Typical Hogan. <laughs> yes, definitely. He's a heel in real life. <laughs> That's it. Oh, is he ever? Um, <laughs> <laughs> Even to this day. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. After the Pastamania section of the episode we get something that if somebody says to me explain wcw in three words or give me a match that is pure wcw i'm gonna go flair versus sting Mm. every single time and it's so fitting that we have flair versus sting on the first nitro for the united states title actually sting is currently the united states champion and I mean, first of all, before we before we get into the match and uh, some very big happenings in this match, what were your thoughts when I mean, Flair and Sting coming out? They're covered in so many gemstones; it's ridiculous. What, what are your thoughts? I, I'd read in Ric Flair's book that this was the uh, main event of Nitro, so I was a bit confused. I was thinking we ending early, <laughs> but um, no, no, uh, this was wow! This was a masterclass. Um, and uh, I mean, Sting has credited Ric Flair himself. He said that he made Sting. Big Flair, so um, yeah, I mean, yeah. this this was the right this was the right move, the right match to put on. Yeah, what did you think of the uh, match overall? I mean, the, the match overall, I, I enjoyed, but I always do because I, I love Sting. Uh, I love this incarnation of Sting. I mean, I'm, I, it's so difficult. People ask me what's my favorite Sting, mm. and I love Surface Stings. Is what I grew up with. But black and white crow sting is so damn cool. <laughs> yeah, he is, isn't he? <laughs> um, I don't know. I'm, my mind must change. God knows how, how many times a week on that one. But Ric Flair is one of my all-time favourites. And they yeah. both come out here looking like just perfectly early 90s mm. or, or late 80s Flair and Sting. You, you've got the robe that Sting is wearing, uh, sorry, Flair is wearing and uh, the ringy and the way he moves and everything about it. And then Sting comes out to that reaction from the crowd and he's got the purple face paint the glittery jacket on all of this it's just absolutely and the u.s title is a beautiful championship belt absolutely gorgeous championship belt Mm, really good but yeah i mean uh there was a lot in this match wasn't there a lot happening but um yeah we get an Arn anderson run in yeah Um, yeah. i don't know if i running in 1995 was he (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well we get that but what's the biggest moment that everyone talks about in this i'll let you take it well okay i mean there's there's something i want to touch upon before we get to that yeah because i'm thinking I, i'm looking out for sort of like the first shot i guess fired at the wwf and everyone knows who turns up on this opening episode of nitro however as far as i could tell watching this not only have they gone live on a monday night with with raw not being on air which could be, I suppose, thought of as the first shot because they're trying to get their viewers across the bow. Mongo on commentary says, this is great, talking about the flair and, and staying and this great action and so on. So he says something along the lines of, if you're not tuned into this or if you're not enjoying this, then you might as well just go be watching. And Bischoff cuts him off and says, oh, don't say it. So <laughs> he, they're already starting to dig at the fact that this, the WWS product isn't as good. Yeah. And then Lex Luger turns up. Oof. 
the yeah. guy who the previous night was wrestling for the WWF. Mm. Now that at the time, Danny, I'm not sure if you're aware. Yeah, the WWF didn't realize his contract expired. Oh, his contract expired at midnight on the Sunday. Quite an ne- Yeah, he was negotiating with Bischoff. He wanted to come back to WCW where his friends were. Yeah, he was on big money with the WWF. Oh. Um, Bischoff said to Sting, who was main, who was the guy who was sort of like plumping for Luger, I guess, having a word with Bischoff. He's like, uh, Bischoff says he he purposely told Sting offer him this much, and it was a real low ball number thinking Luger would just turn it down because he didn't really know what he was going to do with Alex Luger. Yeah. And to his surprise, Luger took the low offer. Wow. So they signed him <laughs> that morning, the morning of Nitro, because his contract expired wow. at midnight the day before. And apparently the story goes, according to the likes of um, Bruce Pritchard and others, they had no idea until Luger walked out on Nitro. That's insane. Imagine Can you imagine didn't. that? <laughs> if he didn't show up, I wonder what the backup plan was. Well, initially, Vader was supposed to be in this role. Oh, yeah. But um, Vader's Vader's been spoken about for the four-ball pay-per-view, which we're covering in, yep. in two weeks' time. And Vader's been spoken about as part of Hogan's team. And yep. he's facing Hogan, supposedly facing Hogan on this episode of Nitro. Yeah. But Vader, as as you know, as they explain next week on Nitro, so we get ahead of ourselves, Vader's gone AWOL. And he can't get the paperwork uh, and all this. What actually happened was Vader got in a fight backstage with Paul Orndorff and it sacked him. Oh, I've heard, I've read about this. <laughs> so yeah, that's kind of the time frame yeah. we had, and that's when Vader turned up on on the other channel, so to speak, yeah. Yeah. Uh, on the WWF. But also, as you as you mentioned there, Danny R. Anderson comes down, and he yeah. kind of sets up sets up more to do with Four Brawl, the pay per view, in a couple of weeks. Talk us through what Arn gets into here. Arn Anderson just he's I was shocked because uh obviously I've never never seen uh, this detail of um the Ric Flair Arn Anderson feud, but I was shocked that uh, he came out and uh, basically just attacked uh, Ric Flair and then uh, just caused the DQ. Um crowd was into it though. Crowd uh, really liked seeing Arn Anderson uh, for a bunch of non wrestling fans. Maybe there were some wrestling fans there. But yep, yeah, we uh, and then uh, yep, yeah, Arn Anderson just attacks Ric Flair more. And um, basically, he was just on a one-man rampage there. Yeah, and we're building towards Arn versus Flair at yeah. Four Brawl, which is... Yeah, I'm a massive Arn Anderson fan, massive Flair fan. It's something I'm looking forward to watching watching again, to be honest. Yeah. But the, the whole thing about the crowd going wild for them and so on, I think that you had wrestling fans there because they, they, they could get in for nothing. So they've gone and got their seats. There's seats around the ring. It's not just people milling around, as I, as I sort of made the joke of earlier. There are seats around the ring. Yeah. And the southern states are very much NWA, Jim Crocker Promotions, and then eventually WCW territory. So the likes of Arn Anderson, the likes of Flair, the likes of Sting, they're always going to get a good reaction because it's almost like they're from that area or they worked predominantly in that area, I guess. We ultimately get a disqualification, though, don't we? When Arn gets into the ring, this match goes to a no contest and they scrap a little bit, as you explained. And then something happened that I completely forgot about. I thought that was it. I thought, oh, Luger's turned up. That's the big shock of the show and so on. For some reason, randomly, Scott Norton is at ringside shouting at the commentators. Yeah. (laughs) And I was like, what's going on here? (laughs) It was quite, it was something, wasn't it? I mean, just, uh, I guess it was just something to just not have the uh, energy go down. 
Um, I was actually shocked to see this because I'd never heard about Scott Norton, Randy Savage feuds. But um, yeah, it was definitely there. Yeah, I mean, Norton is, he's turned up at ringside and he's shouting at Eric Bischoff saying that he signed a contract. What the hell is Luger doing here? And all this sort of stuff. And then he's like, he's saying he wants to fight Mongo. He wants to fight anyone. Let's go right now. Savage then turns up. Randy Savage turns up and says, I'll fight you now. And they're saying, you can't do it now. I'll have to do it next week. And it's just absolute chaos. But it's, it, I suppose it's that whole car crash theory where you can't look away for, from a car crash. It's absolute chaos, but you can't stop watching because it's not, yep. it's not bad chaos. It's, it really drags you in. It kind of keeps my eyes on the screen. Did you feel the same or? Yep, definitely. I mean, uh, I've not seen too much of Scott Norton, but um, yeah, it, it, it was the most interested I've seen. I've been in uh, a segment involving him. So yeah, definitely. I was excited to see where this ends up. Yeah, yeah, definitely. We also then get a promo for Sabu, the ECW legend coming to WCW. And I totally forgot about this as well. <laughs> this blew my mind. Um, I just thought he was in... Uh, the various promotions that he'd been in, but mainly ECW and WWE. But this blew my mind. I had no idea he was in WCW. So, yeah, yeah. I, I can remember him being in WCW now. Now I've watched it back. But beforehand, it, oh yeah, Sabu's coming next week. It just it just completely threw me. I just didn't, I was like, whoa, okay, where's that come from? <laughs> uh, we then get another little video package for somebody else coming next week who didn't get me anywhere near as excited as Sammy. <laughs> and that was um, Mike Wall Street, as he's introduced on this episode of Nitro, who is the former IRS, Mike Rotunda, old Bray Wyatt's daddy. And he's there saying several references to the new generation, which is, of course, what the WWE, WWF are calling their show at this time. He makes a reference to IRS as well, which is his former character. So again, in a very short show, 45 minutes of television, we're getting more and more jabs in at the WWE, Danny, aren't we? Yes, we are. Um, that made me think, um, do you think he was uh, let go by the WWF? Maybe they thought he was too old. Maybe this was his revenge. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah potentially. Like... Potentially. Hmm. They were sort of, this whole new generation thing. There were guys of a certain age that they were letting go. I mean, look at, I mean, yep. Savage and Hogan being on this episode of Nitro is a good example. That's a, I, do you know what? I never actually thought of it that way before. That's a really good suggestion. That's a really good point. Thank you. Maybe I that, just thought it was, yeah, it was just, it just glared out to me. It was like, maybe he's just angry at Vince McMahon. So that's why mm. he went over there. Cause we've seen this loads of times throughout the years um, where people are just angry, disgruntled. So they, well, now they're just gone social media, but before they just did it via, <laughs> via um, television and segments like this. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good show. Actually. I'd, I'd never even entered my mind about that. I mean, they're, they're talking here about he, him, him arriving and apparently he's going to be, it's later unveiled that he's going to wrestle sting next week. So obviously, title rankings don't mean much in WCW right at this moment <laughs> you can just rock up on the first episode of Nitro demand a title shot and you're going to get one So <laughs> oh, yeah. he's not the only one is he? <laughs> no that's right <laughs> uh, that does that brings us I suppose to our main event of the evening um, the great orange racist one Hulk Hogan against the former big boss man Big Bubba Ray Trailer, as he is uh, as his real name what did you think seeing Big Bubba or the Big Boss Man in this guise, Danny? Uh, this was completely new as well. I had no idea he was anything other than the Big Boss Man or the boss in WWE as I briefly saw a couple of matches. But Big yeah. Bubba, um, yeah, it, it, it's just a shame. I feel he was just absolutely buried here. Uh, as 
as a worker because he could do a lot more. I mean, Hulk Hogan is one of his um, best opponents in the WWF, but this this match really did nothing for him. It was all Hulk Hogan, as usually is. Um, what did you think of it? Yeah, it's funny you mentioned actually about them being uh, opponents in the WWF because it, it was very much that way, wasn't it? Uh, what hmm. would it have been, 80, 89, I suppose? Yeah, 89. Saturday night's... I want to say Saturday night's main event around yep. the time that they were going into the feud with Matchman and Zeus at SummerSlam. Yep. Is that is that right? I think, uh, Blue Steel Cage match. That's that the one, yeah. Yep. The, yes, yep. that's it. Yep. Yeah. Um, that kind of stands out in my mind, and they had some great matches there. But this here, you're right. It's very much a ho- the Hogan show, isn't it? Mm. And it, it's a, sorry, yeah. go on. No, I was just going to say, which is a shame because uh, other than this, uh, if it wasn't for the Vader incident backstage, I wonder where Big Bubba would have been on this show, or even if, if he would have been on this show. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if he'd have been involved. To be honest, I'm not 100 percent sure. But uh, yeah, something noticeable for me is the the reaction to Hogan. It's not as strong as the reaction for Sting or Flair in the show. Mm. Now I don't know if. Fans have got to. I, I don't know because that doesn't make any sense. I was about to say I don't know. If fans have got tired and bored and wandered off, <laughs> like those those sort of like non-paying fans that are watching the wrestling as they're doing their shopping or whatever. But surely the whole purpose of having Hogan there is to attract the the casual wrestling fan. That's the whole point. Yep. I so, think it goes back to your theory. I think it goes back to your theory about the uh, southern states liking people like Ric Flair and Arn Anderson, and they usually did not like Hulk Hogan because he was mm. on the other end. So I think that's the main cause of it. But it could be just a just a guess. I'm going to have to check my geography as well, mine. This is in Minneapolis. Sorry, I can't oh. get my bloody words out. So I don't know if that's particularly southern. WWE was a southern company, weren't they? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah so. Something else that's quite interesting as well that might dictate as to why... I mean, people are getting sick of Hogan's shtick at this stage. It'd been running for 10 years. I mean, we're in 95 <laughs> now. Opposite the hard cam, you have two signs very, very clearly visible stating Hogan sucks and Hogan is a wimp. Now, if that was WWE, WWF, back then or now, those signs would be gone. But they stay there the whole match. Wow. <laughs> it's mad, isn't it? Yeah, that is mad. I mean, WWF security would have ripped those signs up and then banned those two fans forever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> I mean, for me, it is it is a typical Hogan match. Mm. He, he sort of takes a bit of a beating from his heel opponent. Uh, we get uh, we get some we got some heel work from Hogan. He, yep. he rakes the eyes as usual, rakes the chest. He chokes Bubba with the flag whilst Jimmy Hart is distracting the referee. Proper heel shit. Yeah. And then we get we get Hogan. He takes the boss man's finisher. I keep calling, sorry, boss man. You know what I mean? He takes yeah. he takes Big Bubba's finisher, kicks out on two, starts hulking up, no selling it at all. We're thinking this is going to be the end of it. Big leg drop. And then we get the Dungeon of Bloody Doom arrive. <laughs> Do you know anything about the Dungeon of Doom, Danny? Absolutely not. No, but I, I, I know they're colourful now. <laughs> That's all I know. Okay, well, let me say this now. For this week, next week, and all future weeks, we see the Dungeon of Doom. I am so, so sorry. (laughs) I really am. Um, It's going to be an adventure, that's for sure. Yeah, just just remember, it gets better, okay? Please, just remember. (laughs) Well, hang in there. (laughs) Uh, The Dungeon of Doom, the group of Shark, which was Earthquake, apparently he's now a big fish 
Kamala, the Ugandan giant. Uh, we also had Zodiac, which is one of the worst gimmicks I've ever seen. Brutus Beefcake doing some weird... I don't really know what the hell he's supposed to be doing there. Is he uh, based off the Zodiac killer? I think they might have been trying to touch upon that, but I'm also right. fairly certain the Zodiac killer never put on black and white face paint and walked around <laughs> making those hand gestures. I, I, you know, I'm no expert on the matter. Please, anyone out there, if, if, you, if I'm incorrect, let me know. But I don't think that's the case. And the leader, of course, of the Dungeon of Doom, the little pint-sized Kevin Sullivan, great booker he may well have been, but in 1995, in his terrible Flash Gordon outfit, I don't think we really need to see this guy wrestling, do we? No, absolutely not, no. <laughs> Luger makes the save, though. Luger yep. saves Hogan. He's still wearing that puffy white uh, shirt that looks like he belongs on Hell's Kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with the sort of granddad collar, but buttoned right up to the top, isn't it? Yep, right to the yeah. top. No Blair on holiday for him. No, that's what... <laughs> Luger makes the save. And then we get a bit of a standoff between Luger and Hogan. And the interesting thing for me here is there's a lot of Luger chance, isn't there? Mm-hmm. Mm. Not so much for our friend Terry Belia. <laughs> he was being phased out, it seemed. Uh, Lex Luger was younger. I mean, this is what Vince McMahon wanted when Lex Luger came to the WWF, but it took Lex going to WWE here to get that reaction. Well, yeah, I suppose. I'd, I'd never thought of it that way. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. Uh, we basically then get a, a promo between the two that starts off quite well. But for me, if they just stopped sort of, I don't know, halfway through, it could have worked. Yep. But you end up with just rambling at the end. That makes no sense. And you end up with a line from Lex Luger coming out. Obviously, WCW, as everyone is aware, is where the big boys play. Luger kind of gets that wrong when he's trying to have a dig at the WWF and says, I'm sick of playing with kids. And it's just like, oh, Lex. Oh, dear, Lex. What are you doing? Of all things to be censored on the WWE Network, this still isn't. <laughs> uh, Hogan basically says, you want a title match? You, He's trying to say, effectively, you've not got to wait next month, next year or so on, which is what Luga said. Luga said, I don't want to wait till, I'll wait till next month if I have to. I'll wait till next year. I'll wait five years as long as I get one. Hogan trying to echo this back says, he, he you know, effectively trying to say, you don't have to wait till next month whatever gets it completely wrong and says you don't have to wait until next week which is exactly what he has to do hogan he has to wait until next week <laughs> oh god this was yeah <laughs> yeah and uh, hogan says to seal the deal effectively they want a handshake to about their title match on next week's episode of nitro he says you don't have to wait until next week which of course you do stick out that sticky hand <laughs> Stinky hands, sorry. Stick out that stinky palm, he says to Luger. So Luger's got smelly hands, apparently. Yeah. Who knew? <laughs> Who nice to know. Oh, dear. What an absolute mess that ended up being. Uh, yep. So then, that kind of, it, that, that's it. We get the announcement. We've got Hogan, Luger next week. We've got Sting versus Michael Wall Street for the time being next week. Um, What are your... Well, first of all, before before we get to your overall thoughts, mm. Danny, we're going to have a little segment on the show where we look at our favourite overall moment and a moment that made us go, oh, God, oh, and it was cringy or whatever. The moments that we love every week, we're going to call our woo moments. 
and the moments that we uh, make us judder and a terrible and our least favorite moment of the show is just going to simply be a oh brother danny do you want to go first my friend what is your woo and what is your oh brother well my woo is uh the way that lex luger debuted because uh, the commentators put it over quite huge because it made it seem like it was not supposed to happen. Um, and Lex did really nothing. He just stood there with a smile on his face. And mm-hmm. uh, Eric Bischoff in particular has to be credited because he was like, get the camera off of him, get the camera off of him. What's he doing here? <laughs> so, yeah, it made it so- seem like it was unplanned and urgent. Um, so that would be my woo. And the old brother was definitely the VK, uh, oh, Michael Wall Street promo backstage because, uh, yeah, I just, it was just there, wasn't it? Uh, what are yours? Yeah, okay. My my woo, I suppose, if I had to single out one thing in particular, I loved, I loved Luger arriving. That was fantastic. But I also forgot how bloody good Jushin Liger versus Pillman was in the owner. So I really struggled to split the two. I probably I'm probably gonna go with Luger the same as you. Mm. Because it really kicks off the Monday night war, doesn't it? it? Really it really is like, okay, here we go. Straight off the bat, here's a shocker. But I want to give a special mention to the to the a Liger Pillman match as well. My O brother is the end of the promo between Luger and Hogan when they just start rambling and talking nonsense and about not wanting to play with kids anymore and having smelly hands and all this sort of nonsense. It's just, have a word with yourselves, lads. You're professionals. What are you doing? <laughs> you know, but there we go. What were your overall thoughts on this episode then, Danny? The first episode of Monday Night Show that we're covering in our long, long slog through everything WCW here on Nitro Nights. What were your first thoughts covering the first Nitro? Um, to be honest, it was an enjoyable show. It was memorable. There was definitely high points and definitely low points. Um, I would say overall, I would definitely give it a thumbs up um, because it was just, it's, it's for historical purposes. It will always be like the number one. Um, what are your overall thoughts, Si? I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. But I'm again, I'm a WCW mark, aren't I? So it's the <laughs> but no, I enjoyed it. To me, the big thing was, but the Hogan stuff at the end of the Dungeon of Doom and the and the and the sort of rambling promos between him and Luger, it's that thing of okay, that could have been done a lot better. That wasn't the greatest, and so on. I get that. However, this episode of Night Show was broadcast on this date because there was no Monday Night Raw. They're trying to get people to tune in next week. They're trying to swipe an audience from Raw. I think there's enough here quite easily to have get gotten me to tune in to Nitro the following week. Talk about Luger versus Hogan. Oh, wow, that's interesting. I've not seen that before. You know, talk, talk about all this different stuff going on and Sabu's debuting and the, the chaos of certain... It just... Everything just seemed so... Everything just seemed so chaotic and fast and exciting and colourful and new. I would have wanted to watch Nitro next week. Mm. So to me, this show, this show was a hit. So there we go. Yep. There we go then, Danny. That concludes <laughs> the first Nitro Watchback. Uh, I hope everyone out there listening has really, really enjoyed this. Before we depart this week, though, Danny, do you want to let everybody know whereabouts they can find you online and all your glorious, wonderful content, my friend? Yep. Thank you very much for having me on. Um, 
I would say uh, you could follow me on Twitter at Scottish Juggler, where uh, I, we have a little community going of ev- everyone that we have a laugh with. Um, you can um, find me on uh, One One Man's Meat podcast, where we go through the musky annals of professional wrestling to bring you the obscure, obscure mid carders. Um, and you can find me on a change in attitude. Uh, where we discuss we discussed the attitude era of uh, WWF in the nineties. Um, yeah, where can we find you, sir? Well, before we get to before we get to my social media, I want to say about how great it is listening to you on a changing attitude every week. I'm really looking forward to the start of One Man's Meat podcast with, with, with your good buddy Chris. There, really looking forward to that beginning. I know the recordings have started over the last day or so, so excited about that. Um, a changing attitude. I want to give a quick shout out to as well, Ori Tanner our good buddy Mags, uh, and also yourself, Danny. It's, I suppose, in a way, the big brother to what we're doing here. They're covering, and have been covering for numerous weeks, months, etc. expertly, so fantastically and professionally, the WWF from the Attitude Era, I guess. They're going all the way through the Attitude Era. We're looking very much at the WCW side here. So, it's, it's you know, I've spoken to Magsy about this project, uh, and he says, you know, he's really excited to hear it. So maybe we can work together on certain episodes and and so on. So looking forward to that collaboration. But yeah, I want to give a massive shout out to A Change in Attitude. You can find it all over the place, uh, online, etc. Seek it out, give it a listen. It is a bloody brilliant podcast. Well worth checking out. However, you can find me, well, kind of dotted all over the place. Uh, I, I co-host the Doctor Who pod, which is coming very soon. I co-host The Waiting Room which is a Quantum Leap podcast for our good friend Benny Mack. Doctor Who pod, sorry, is with our other buddy, Dan Griffin. Um, you can hear me on my own podcast, the SJP pod, which pops out every now and again here and there. There's no real schedule, just when i got something to say, I suppose. Uh, or you can hear me on Chain Wrestling every Monday night live via Radio Tucker's YouTube, Twitch, etc. But um, You can find links to all of these shows, though. The easiest way of doing it is to follow me on Twitter. And you can find me at SJP Words on Twitter and also on Facebook. SJP All The Shows and Info is the group, if you just come along and get yourself in there. There's links to every show I'm involved in there. It's the easiest way of keeping up to date with everything. But most importantly, you can follow this show and get involved now. I've purposely not plugged to this show beforehand and just churned it out there as episode one just to sort of surprise people a little bit i suppose get involved now though find us on facebook find us on twitter at nitro underscore nights give us a follow try and watch the nitros along with us try and watch the sh- the old wcw along with us on the network get involved follow along listen to us every week and uh, i suppose hopefully we'll see danny enjoying some wcw for the first time ever <laughs> i look forward to the challenge yes and i've done mate Dungeon Doom is going to be a bloody challenge. Okay, thank you very much for joining me, Danny, and to everybody else, thank you for listening. <laughs>